Chapter Forty of Mary Marston. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Marston by George MacDonald. Chapter Forty. Godfrey and Sepia. When the Redmains went to Cornwall, Sepia was left at Durnmelling in the expectation of joining them in London within a fortnight at latest. The illness of Mr. Redmain, however, caused her stay to be prolonged and she was worn out with ennui. The self she was so careful over was not by any means good company. Not seldom during her life had she found herself capable of almost anything to get rid of it, short of suicide or repentance. This autumn at Durnmelling she would even, occasionally, with that object, when the weather was fine, go for a solitary walk, a thing I need not say she hated in itself though now it was her forlorn hope in the poor possibility of falling in with some distraction. But the hope was not altogether a vague one, for was there not a man somewhere underneath those chimneys she saw over the roof of the laundry? She had never spoken to him, but Hesper and she had often talked about him, and often watched him ride, never man more to her mind. In her wanderings she had come upon the breach in the ha-ha, and clambering up, found herself on the forbidden ground of a neighbour whom the family did not visit. To no such folly would Sepia be a victim. The analysis of such a nature as hers, with her story to set it forth, would require a book to itself, and I must happily content myself with but a fact here and there in her history. In one of her ramblings on his ground, she had her desire, and met Godfrey Wardour. He lifted his hat, and she stopped and addressed him by way of apology. "'I'm afraid you think me very rude, Mr. Wardour,' she said. "'I know I'm trespassing, but this field of yours is higher than the ground around Durnmelling, "'and seems to take pounds off the weight of the atmosphere.' "'For all he had gone through, Godfrey was not yet less than courteous to ladies. "'He assured Miss Yolland that Thornwick was as much at her service as if it were part of Durnmelling. "'Though indeed,' he added with a smile, "'it would be more correct to say, as if Durnmelling were part of Thornwick,' for that was the real state of the case once upon a time. The statement interested or seemed to interest Miss Yolland, giving rise to many questions, and a long conversation ensued. Suddenly she woke, or seemed to wake, to the consciousness that she had forgotten herself and the proprieties together. Hastily, and to all appearance with some confusion, she wished him a good morning, but she was not too much confused to thank him again for the permission he had given her to walk on his ground. It was not by any intention on the part of Godfrey that they met several times after this, but they always had a little conversation before they parted, nor did Sepia find any difficulty in getting him sufficiently within their range to make him feel the power of her eyes. She was too prudent, however, to bring to bear upon any man all at once the full play of her mesmeric battery, and things had got no further when she went to London. A week or two before the return of the Redmains, ostensibly to get things in some special readiness for Hesper, but that this may have been a pretense appears possible from the fact that Mary came from Cornwall on the same mission a few days later. I have just mentioned an acquaintance of Sepia's, who attracted the notice and roused the peculiar interest of Mr. Redmain, because of a look he saw pass betwixt them. This man spoke both English and French with a foreign accent, and gave himself out as a Georgian, Count Galofta, he called himself, I believe he was a prince in Paris. At this time he was in London, and during the ten days that Sepia was alone, came to see her several times. 
called early in the forenoon first, and the next day in the evening, when they went together to the opera, and once came and stayed late. Whether from her dark complexion making her look older than she was, or from the subduing air which her experience had given her, or merely from the fact that she belonged to nobody much, Miss Yolland seemed to have carte blanche to do as she pleased, and come and go when and where she liked, as one knowing well enough how to take care of herself. Mary, arriving unexpectedly at the house in Glamis Square, met him in the hall as she entered. He had just taken leave of Sepia, who was going up the stair at the moment. Mary had never seen him before, but something about him caused her to look at him again as she passed. Somehow Tom also had discovered Sepia's return, and had gone to see her more than once. When Mr. and Mrs. Redmain arrived, there was so much to be done for Hesper's wardrobe that, for some days, Mary found it impossible to go and see Letty. Her mistress seemed harder to please than usual, and more doubtful of humour than ever before. This may have arisen, but I doubt it, from the fact that, having gone to church the Sunday before they left, she had there heard a different sort of sermon from any she had heard in her life. Before, sermons have something to do with the history of the world. However, many of them may be no better than a withered leaf in the blast. The morning after her arrival, Hesper happening to find herself in want of Mary's immediate help, instead of calling her as she generally did, opened the door between their rooms and saw Mary on her knees by her bedside. Now Hesper had heard of saying prayers, night and morning both, and when a child had been expected and indeed compelled to say her prayers. But to be found on one's knees in the middle of the day looked to her a thing exceedingly odd. Mary, in truth, was not much in the way of kneeling at such a time. She had to pray much too often to kneel always, and God was too near her, wherever she happened to be, for the fancy that she must seek him in any particular place. But so it happened now. She rose, a little startled rather than troubled, and followed her mistress into her room. "'I am sorry to have disturbed you, Mary,' said Hesper, herself a little annoyed. It is not quite easy to say why. "'But people do not generally say their prayers in the middle of the day.' "'I say mine when I need to say them,' answered Mary, a little cross that Hesper should take any notice. She would rather the thing had not occurred, and it was worse to have to talk about it. "'For my part, I don't see any good in being righteous overmuch.' said Hesper. I wonder if there was another saying in the Bible she would have been so ready to quote. I don't know what that means, returned Mary. I believe it is somewhere in the Bible, but I'm sure Jesus never said it, for he tells us to be righteous as our Father in heaven is righteous. But the thing is impossible, said Hesper. How is one with such claims on her as I have to attend to these things? Society has claims, no one denies that. "'And God has none?' asked Mary. "'Many people think now there is no God at all,' returned Hesper, with an almost petulant expression. "'If there is no God, that settles the question,' answered Mary. "'But if there should be one, how then?' "'Then I am sure he would never be hard on one like me. "'I do just like other people. "'One must do as people do. "'If there is one thing that must be avoided more than another, "'it is peculiarity.' How ridiculous it would be of any one to set herself against society. Then you think the judge will be satisfied if you say, Lord, I had so many names in my visiting book, and so many invitations I could not refuse, that it was impossible for me to attend to those things. I don't see that I am at all worse than other people, persisted Hesper. 
I can't go and pretend to be sorry for sins I should commit again the next time there was a necessity. I don't see what I've got to repent of. Nothing had been said about repentance. Here I imagine the sermon may have come in. Then, of course, you can't repent, said Mary. Hesper recovered herself a little. I'm glad you see the thing as I do, she said. I don't see it at all as you do, ma'am, answered Mary gently. Why? exclaimed Hesper, taken by surprise. What have I got to repent of? Do you really want me to say what I think? asked Mary. Of course I do, returned Hesper, getting angry and at the same time uneasy. She knew Mary's freedom of speech upon occasion, but felt that to draw back would be to yield the point. What have I got to be ashamed of, pray? Some ladies are ready to plume themselves upon not having been guilty of certain great crimes. Some thieves, I dare say, console themselves that they have never committed murder. If I had married a man I did not love, answered Mary, I should be more ashamed of myself than I can tell. That is the way of looking at such things in the class you belong to, I dare say, rejoined Hesper. But with us it is quite different. There is no necessity laid upon you. Our position obliges us. But what if God should not see it as you do? If that is all you have got to bring against me, said Hesper, with a forced laugh. But that is not all, replied Mary. When you married, you promised many things, not one of which you have ever done. Really, Mary, this is intolerable, cried Hesper. I'm only doing what you asked me, ma'am, said Mary, and I have said nothing that everyone about Mr. Redmain does not know as well as I do. Hesper wished heartily she had never challenged Mary's judgment. But, she resumed more quietly, how could you, how could anyone, how could God himself, hard as he is, ask me to fulfil the part of a loving wife to a man like Mr. Redmain. There is no use mincing matters with you, Mary. But you promised, persisted Mary. It belongs, besides, to the very idea of marriage. There are a thousand promises made every day which nobody is expected to keep. It is the custom, the way of the world. How many of the clergy now believe the things they put their names to? They must answer for themselves. We're not clergymen, but women, who ought never to say a thing except when we mean it, and when we have said it, to stick to it. But just look around you and see how many there are in precisely the same position. Will you dare to say they are all going to be lost because they do not behave like angels to their brutes of husbands? I say they have got to repent of behaving to their husbands as their husbands behave to them. And what if they don't? Mary paused a little. Do you expect to go to heaven, ma'am? she asked. I hope so. Do you think you will like it? I must say I think it will be rather dull. Then, to use your own word, you must be very like lost anyway. There does not seem to be a right place for you anywhere, and that is very like being lost, is it not? Hesper laughed. <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable where I am, she said. Husband and all, thought Mary, but she did not say that. What she did say was, But you know you can't stay here. God is not going to keep up this way of things for you. Can you ask it, seeing you don't care a straw what he wants of you? But I have sometimes thought, what if hell be just a place where God gives everybody everything she wants and lets everybody do whatever she likes? 
without once coming nigh to interfere. What a hell that would be! For God's presence in the very being, and nothing else is bliss. That, then, would be altogether the opposite of heaven, and very much the opposite of this world. Such a hell would go on, I suppose, till everyone had learned to hate everyone else in the same world with her. This was beyond Hesper, and she paid no attention to it. "'You can never, in your sober senses, Mary,' she said, "'mean that God requires of me to do things for Mr. Redmain "'that the servants can do a great deal better. "'That would be ridiculous. "'Not to mention that I oughtn't and couldn't and wouldn't do them for any man.' "'Many a woman,' said Mary with a solemnity in her tone "'which she did not intend to appear there, "'has done many more trying things for persons of whom she knew nothing. "'I dare say,' but such women go in for being saints, and that is not my line. I was not made for that. You were made for that, and far more, said Mary. There are such women, I know, persisted Hesper, but I do not know how they can find it possible. I can tell you how they find it possible. They love every human being just because he is human. Your husband might be a demon from the way you behave to him. I suppose you find it agreeable to wait upon him, he is civil to you, I dare say. Not very, replied Mary with a smile. But the person who cannot bear with a sick man or a baby is not fit to be a woman. You may go to your own room, said Hesper. For the first time, a feeling of dislike to Mary awoke in the bosom of her mistress. Very naturally, all my readers will allow. The next few days she scarcely spoke to her, sending directions for her work through Sepia, who discharged the office with dignity. End of chapter 40 Godfrey and Sepia Recording by Maria Brooke